0: we'll hand select the best nuggets to share with you in this short form. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real world concepts for business and life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's flashback. Today, we are flashing back to episode number 41 with legendary Cutco Vector division manager, Drew Frank. Drew runs the Rocky Mountain Division and the South Denver Pilot Office team. He is widely considered to be the all time greatest field manager in company history, having won 13 Silver Cups in his office and 10 more in his division. With over $90 million in total career sales, Drew is a member of the Cutco Vector Hall of Fame, and his influence has been felt in every corner of the company. In an organization full of amazing talents and high achievers, Drew Frank is a true shining star. In these short snippets, Drew first shares some elements of his mindset that have shaped him into a champion. He details some important metrics that can help vector managers build a great team, and he offers some insights into the elements of Rocky Mountain culture that have formed such a powerful organization. This short episode is like one of Drew's legendary one-page PDFs. It's a quick and simplified look into the making of the greatest champion in Cutco Vector marketing history. Please help spread the philosophies and strategies of the Cutco Vector organization by sharing this and other episodes of this podcast with people in your network. The podcast is available for free on just about all players. All episodes, guest bios and show notes can also be found at changinglivespodcast.com and you can support our sponsors by clicking on the link marked deals on the podcast homepage. To hear more of the story and lessons of Drew Frank, you can revisit our full conversation at episode number 41. I think, Drew, what people would love for me to do in this conversation is to deconstruct Drew Frank. It's to really get into the mind and the heart of Drew Frank and find out you know what are some of the qualities or attributes that you feel have most helped you to succeed
1: the first one as i as i mentioned is competition uh, at every level i tried to compete and t- try to Not because of necessarily ego or pride or wanting the trophies, but if I knew that I was competing against the the best, then it would make sure that I was always elevating my game. And I knew that I was always going to get the best out of myself. I was always going to uh, make sure that I was mastering my craft and I was Leading from the front, so competition was uh, was important to me, and I try to instill that in in our team. I think one of the the attributes that I learned early on from one of my early mentors, which I was really fortunate to meet Trent Booth when I was a new district manager. Trent taught me, you know, about looking at other people's perspective and lenses, and understanding the human element behind behind business. So. I, I try to have as authentic as conversations as possible. I try to be as direct as possible and talk to people like humans and, and not look at people like numbers and stats. And when I talk to people about whether it's business or personal, uh, treating people and talking to people exactly the way that I would want them to talk to me about my business. So those were some uh, a couple attributes that I think I learned early on from, from some of my mentors. I always try to lead from the front. And uh, whether it was as a a new manager just working hard and and taking on the responsibilities of my office or even as a division manager still doing the frontline work uh, to stay ahead of the curve, to have my finger on the pulse, to be able to have one, credibility when I'm I'm talking on a subject, but two, be able to continue developing programs. And in the Rocky Mountain Division... We are known for uh, taking on challenges with new programs, uh, thinking outside the box, being creative about how things are done, and, and taking calculated risks. So leading from the front, constantly improving has been important. The most important thing that I, that I think that, we've, that have given us this success over time or, or me is just trying to simplify the business. I really started studying my interview, my training, my my one-on-ones, my my schedule, uh, just, you know how things were done, and and I, I didn't want to just do things because that's the way they were always done. So uh, we simplified. I, I'm known for creating the one-page PDFs. It's kind of uh, detailed simplicity. I have hundreds of one-page PDFs, and I have a strong philosophy and strong opinion that anything that's more than one page is way too complicated. So I just try to boil things down. And I'll give one example. And uh, we, we work with sales reps. And you know, you could talk for days and days about how to, how to inspire, motivate, and get reps to sell Cutco. And I spent most of the years, my early years, overcomplicating the business. And then I realized, just keep it simple. and And I realized that people succeed in, in anything, especially in sales and Cutco, because they feel good, they have people to call, and they have a plan. Now, you can translate that to any business or, or any activity. So people feeling good about what they're doing, things to do, and in our cases, people to call, and a plan of action or direction. So no matter if somebody's a brand new rep out of training feeling good, being inspired and feeling appreciated, having people to call an initial names list, and then having direction, which is a plan, a schedule to go after their first initial sales. Or, you know, let's say Curtis JQ, so arguably the greatest rep of all time, uh, who I've been fortunate to get to work with for over a decade, he still needs to feel good, he needs things to do and people to call, and he needs direction and a plan. And so when we consolidate and we really focus on what people's needs are, what do people really, really need? And for me, it's true appreciation and, and recognition, uh, teaching through, through recognition, teaching through appreciation, and helping people you know, get the results and, and, and ultimately uh, giving direction. And that direction might be inspiration, it might be motivation, it might be a, a specific plan, but I try to simplify my, my core beliefs and philosophies, and it makes it easier to teach. You're also great
0: at developing specific metrics for success. And and I I think this is something that you've been known for just in watching you speak, is talking about different metrics for success. How have you utilized the, the idea of metrics for success in your division? Big goals are really scary.
1: So when you have a giant goal and you're thinking about that, it becomes overwhelming and most people just give up. So I realized that whether it was for my own goals or whether it was me teaching others how to hit their goals, I needed to simplify it and make it activity based and action based because if it was all about work really hard and and inspire people and you're gonna you know win this or you're gonna hit this this level, I realize that doesn't work. So part of those one page PDFs were were kind of using a lot of math and and using a lot of numbers and that's not my background. I'm not a math person necessarily, but I'm realizing I realized over the time that. You, know, you break down the larger goal into bite-sized pieces, it becomes so much more attainable and, and people believe in it so much more. Also, you just realize that it's actually possible. So for example you know, we have a a metric about the newsletter. And the newsletter in in Cutco is hitting $1,000 in sales. And I I did a bunch of math and I did a bunch of of research. I realized that it's pretty spot on that there's this two and a half times multiplier that for the number of representatives in the office that hit $1,000 in sales or more for the week, if you multiply that by two and a half, you know, that's the amount of thousands of dollars you're going to sell for the week. And it works. Every time. And it's scary how how these numbers work and the metrics work. But what I did was I started realizing that instead of saying, I'm going to go after a $20,000 sales week, I realized that every time I had 8 individual reps hit $1,000 in sales for the week, I always had a $20,000 sales week. And I realized that every time I had, a, I had 20 representatives hit $1,000 in sales, I had a $50,000 sales week. And then we started asking the question and, and Trent Booth, my, one of my original mentors, he he asked me, and this is once I had my first 50K week, he said, what does a 100K week look like? And I started thinking about it and I said, well, if I do the math, it's just 40 people hitting a thousand dollars in sales. So I changed the way I thought about the business because it wasn't about going after these big goals and having all these big sales. It's how do I inspire 40 individuals? to want to hit that. And then I started peeling back the layers. Well, I've got to sit down with 40 individual people and have a one-on-one conversation and teach them how to be, you know, how to go after their goal and why it's important to hit this level. I need to, you know, make sure they show up to the team meeting so I can, you know, inspire. So it was all about driving that number. And when I boiled it down to what's the one thing And we've, you know, had, uh, guest speakers at our conferences about you know the one thing uh, and and so I'm just boiling it down to what's the most important thing that's going to get me to that result and that's the metric that I create in recruiting it's that I need X amount of phone calls to produce X amount of result and so I'm going to put that in my schedule and make it happen if I need to have this many you know representatives this many levels in sales I'm going to put that in my schedule and make it happen so it was creating taking a goal and being able to reconstruct it and and put it. In into actionable
0: steps. That that is a great concept, Drew, that I really feel like everybody could chew on is understanding how to take big goals and break them down into what do I have to do now to be able to be on pace for that goal and then taking action on those small steps and that by taking action on those small steps, that is how you achieve big goals. And that applies to selling in, in Cutco. It applies to leadership in any other uh, position that we're in. It applies to our you know, financial long-term success. Every long-term goal that we could set can be tracked back to or traced back to what do I need to do now? And that if we can uh, put those small steps into action, that's how we get to, to be able to be so successful. Let's talk a little bit about the Rocky Mountain Division, Drew, because I think uh, people might wonder, you know, what's it like to be part of Drew's organization, what's it like to be part of the Rocky Mountain Division? And I'd, lo- I'd love for you to speak to what are some of the elements of culture in the Rocky Mountain Division that have led to such success? There are a handful of
1: keys to Rocky Mountain culture, and it starts with empowering people. And as I just mentioned, the partnerships, letting people have an opportunity to succeed, and, and not just giving them the, the the physical tools, but really the belief. And it's It's spewing confidence into people, whether it's, you know, their first day in training or the way that we recruit people. It's that positive energy that everybody has. You know, we walk with a different step. We, we come to our organization, we come to our office with unbelievable expectations and the desire to win the day. And, you know, I think some of it comes from my personal leadership where I... You know, I I expect a lot from myself and I want to win the day personally. And whether that's a work day or whether that's, you know, exercising or going on a long bike ride, I just want to be successful at things I do. So we try to eliminate mediocrity. And that's one of the core elements in the Rocky Mountain Division is that if you're going to do something, you might as well be great at it. Whether you're selling knives, whether you're playing sports, whether you're dating, you might as well be great at everything you do. So if you don't feel like you're on top of your game, then work on it and and find the ways and ask the tough questions and get the mentors and learn and read and, and figure it out. We also understand and realize that you can't cut corners. And how to get great at anything is through repetition and passion. You can't become the next Curtis JQ's or you know, the next Josh Moeller by just you know saying to yourself, I'm going to be great. You have to put in the work. And we talk about repetition and passion and we try not to over-teach. How to get great at anything is just do it over and over and over again and fall in love with what you do. If you love Cutco, if you love the product and you do enough appointments, you're going to sell a heck of a lot of knives. If you run a lot of interviews or you make a lot of uh, personal recruiting calls or you run a lot of trainings and you love what you do, eventually you're going to get really good at it. Those are important concepts to us. And then the final one I would say is complacency is the enemy of consistency and success. And it's important when you are a business owner. And when you're a sales rep, you own your own business. When you're a a district or division manager, you own your own business. Even just as a person, you own your own life. And, And being a boss and an employee at the same time is extremely challenging because you have to give yourself the orders and accept them, and you have to find that balance. So that not being complacent with our efforts and activity is so important because it, it allows us to consistently get results uh, week after week, year after year. The silver cups and the trophies—they're fun and they're they're a blast—and and, um, you know, but but they're just a product of that consistency and not getting complacent over a long period of time.
0: Drew, uh, what other words of wisdom do you feel like you'd like to have uh, with, this, uh, with this audience? I just love
1: my team. And I, I love the people that I, that I work with. I think about my district managers. You know, I think about the, those, the, the relationships that extend beyond, beyond work. What I've gotten to experience in Vector is so special because of the, the people that invested in me, but also the people that I've been able to invest in. And no matter what business, whether it's selling knives or, or anything, it's find mentors and, and find great people and, and lock your arms and allow yourself to, to be, uh, you know, enveloped in that, that group of, you know, leaders of, of great people and, and people that you take value from. So the other thing that I would say is, uh, life is short and we've got, we've got one chance at it. Time is finite and people are capable of much more. And you might as well go after it and go after your goals, go after your dreams, because, you know, life is precious and it's worth going after.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's flashback episode of Changing Lives Selling Knives, you can find the full episode and show notes at changinglivespodcast.com. You can also sign up there to receive free resources from me and some of our amazing guests. Please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast Player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.